Welcome to Thousand Hills. We'd like to thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you enjoy this message, and we hope that it speaks blessings in your life. I'm excited that you're here today. God has given me a message that I know he wants you to hear. Here's the thing. How many of you guys have ever owned a horse at all? Owned a horse at all? Yeah, in your lifetime. How many of you guys have ever uh, ridden a horse? If you've just ridden one, okay? How many of you guys have ever ridden a horse at a carnival? Anybody ridden a pony? Come on now. Pony business. We got pony business all over here. Well, those are nice horses. You know, you never get too, you know, riled up when you get one of those horses. But how many of you guys have ever been on a crazy, sorry, good for nothing horse? Come on now. Yeah, there's so many more hands when it comes to the sorry, good for nothing horses. But, well, here's the thing. When it comes to, you know, choosing a horse. Now, I know all of you aren't going to buy a horse, but if you do, here's some things that I want you to, to kind of remember. When it comes to knowing whether a horse is going to have a good personality or not, there are a lot of things that people look for on the outside, like an outside trait or an outside characteristic. I'll give you a few examples, and some of these are myths and, you know, superstition, but they're kind of fun. Here's an example. There's an old saying about a horse's feet or legs. And if they're white, then this is what you need to know, okay? One white foot, buy him. Two white feet, try him. Three white feet, be on the sly. You know what that means, right? Be on the sly. Four white feet, pass him by. Did you catch that? Now, that's generally speaking. Some of you guys probably have like a four white-footed horse and he's the best horse you've ever ridden. But that's sometimes what people look for is a physical sign on whether a horse is going to be a good horse or a, a sorry horse. Now, here's another example. There's this idea of having swirls or whorls in a horse's hair. Anybody heard this one? Raise your hand if you've ever heard about this one. Yeah, there are certain people that believe if a swirl or a whorl or like a calic, you know what we would call a calic, if it's in the center of an eye, then it's good. If it's above, oh no. If it's below, oh no. Right? And so there's a certain characteristic. You can have whorls or swirls in, in horses' hair down their mane, down their neck. I mean, I've heard people say if you have two swirls and they're right behind the ears, that horse is going to be amazing. And they believe all these things. I don't know if I necessarily believe them all, but there is one that I do believe and I think can be trusted more than the other ones. And it's this one. If a horse has a soft eye. Anybody ever heard this? Anybody ever heard about having a horse having a soft eye? Great. Nobody. Well, I'm going to teach you this today. Here's the thing. If your horse has a soft eye, and this is an example of a horse that, that has a soft eye, okay? Now, I want you to notice that the, the eye is uh, round. It's not kind of oval shaped. It's round. It's soft. I mean, you can kind of tell that it's kind of a relaxed look on a horse. There's not many wrinkles above the, the eye there. There's, you know, a lot of darkness, not a whole lot of white, you know, that's showing on the, the pupil there. That's an example of a soft eye. And generally speaking, if you have a, a horse that has a soft eye, more gentle than other horses. Um, they're usually kind. They're usually willing. They usually are maybe a pleasure to be around. They have a desire to please the rider, and they're usually easier to train. Now, this is, again, generally speaking. Now, I want you to understand this. Just because they have a soft eye doesn't mean they won't kick your teeth out either. <laughs> Sometimes people are like, oh, he's got a soft eye. I'm just going to hop on. Well, maybe you want to wait on that. Sometimes, you know, again, just because they have a soft eye doesn't mean they're not athletic. They are more trainable typically, but it doesn't mean that they're going to be a coward or a sissy or not have, you know, confidence and all that stuff. A lot of times a horse with a soft eye, they are, make the best horses. Well, 
On the flip side, you have horses that have what some people would call a flighty eye, right? Or a hard eye. I don't, I don't know if you call it a hard eye or not, but more of a flight kind of driven horse. Now, if you look at this horse's eye, it's a beautiful horse. But if you notice, the eye shape is a little more oval shaped. Um, and at the top of the eye and the hair there, you can see a few more wrinkles. Anybody notice that? Yeah, typically this horse is a type of horse that's going to probably be more nervous. They're going to be uh, more maybe stubborn, more worried, kind of have, you know, they're looking for something to scare the crap out of them. Anybody have a horse like this? Yeah, a white paper bag, you know, goes by and it splits in two kind of deal. I mean, they're more nervous, more flighty, more, you know, again, my way, kind of maybe a little more prideful, all that type stuff. And although... This type of horse, you know, maybe be a little more nervous, maybe more unwilling, maybe needs more training. They make great, you know, horses as well. Here's the application. You say, well, what's the point, Bo? I believe that God wants us to have a soft eye. I believe that God wants us to have the traits like we just described about that horse. Just like a horse has a soft eye and generally they're more willing, they have a more willing spirit and they desire to please the rider. I believe that God wants us to have a soft eye and a willingness to please the Lord. Now, some of you are like me and you have a hard eye. (laughs) Some of us deal with more pride in our lives. I, I look at my wife and I think she's probably the most humble person that I know. And she is. She meets all the criteria of a, of a humble person. And you say, okay, Bo, how, how do we have a soft eye? I mean, if we're going to have a soft eye, if we're going to do that, how do, how do we have that? Well, there's one word and it's not a very popular word. And I want to share it with you right now. You ready? Here's the word. Humble. Humble. <laughs> Now, I don't know if when you hear that word, if you get excited about it, or if you're like, holy crap, why did he just say that word? But here's the thing. When we talk about, you know, having a soft eye or or living for the Lord, I believe that we are to be humble people. And so today I want to preach a message entitled, A Soft Eye, How Humility Works for Our benefit. How humility works for our benefit. Here's what God's done in the last few months. He's been talking to me about this. I'll look on my Bible app and I'll find a verse. The verse of the day will pop up and it's usually something like this. Proverbs 11 two. It says pride leads to disgrace, but the humility or with humility comes wisdom. Over and over again, I've, I've had verses come up like that. I went to a leadership conference the other day, and the leaders there, the preachers there, they were preaching on humility. I'll listen to a podcast every now and then, and lately, for some reason, they're talking about being humble. And so here's what I've tried to learn in my life. When that usually happens, I need to listen. Anybody with me? When God's speaking that much about one subject, then I need to listen. And so what I've tried to do is I said, okay, God, what do you want to teach me about humility? It's not a very popular word. It's not a word that we would go, man, God, I want to be humble, right? That scares the crap out of me, to be honest. I mean, it really does. And, And you say, well, why would it scare you? Well, here's why I think it scares me, at least. I think that I've mistakenly associated humility with being weak. I don't know about you, but, but oftentimes I think, you know, if you're going to be humble, then you have to be a doormat, right? If you're going to be humble, then you, you can't ever lead. You always have to follow. I mean, if you're going to be humble, you're never going to be happy because everybody else is going to get their way because you put everybody else ahead of you. 
And we mistakenly, I mistakenly think that that is what humility is all about. The other reason, I, you know, maybe I don't like it is because I am in a constant battle with my pride. Anybody else? Anybody else in a constant battle with your pride? All right, two of you. Some of you guys didn't raise your hands, and that shows that you're prideful. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's always my way. It's always, you know, I, I don't want to do it your way. I want to do it my way, and I struggle with that in and out every day. I, I mean, it's just a struggle for me. Here's the third mistake that I think I make all the time. I assume that in order to be humble, that I have to be humiliated. I mean, ever thought about it? I mean, if I'm going to learn to be humble, then I got to be humiliated. If I'm going to be humble, then I got to be knocked down a few pegs. If I'm going to be humble, I have to eat humble what? Pie, right? But here's the thing. I think God is teaching me a different way about being humble. And I want to teach that to you today. And, and here's a part of it. Humility isn't about weakness. Just because you're humble doesn't mean that you're weak. Just because you're humble doesn't mean you have to be a doormat. Just because you're humble, you know, again, here's what I've learned. When you choose pride, you actually lose versus when you choose humility. Now, the other thing that I've learned is and, and, and I can be humble without having to be humiliated. Um, and the fact is this, being humble has a lot more benefits than being proud. This is what I'm learning. And again, I'm not perfect at this. I don't know all, you know, all there is to know about this. But, but here's what I'm learning. And you say, okay, but what does humility look like? Just describe it for me. Well, here's a few things that I would say a humble person has. They're thankful. I mean, if you're humble, you're thankful. I mean, you're thankful for the things that, that people do for you. Or you're thankful for the things that the Lord's given you. If you're a humble person, you give others the credit. Right? I mean, you may, may relate to that one. I don't know. Um, if you're humble, then you're quick to ask for help. <laughs> Did I get anybody on that one? Just, let's stop. We're lost. We need to get directions. Heck no. See, you just proved your pride <laughs> right there. But if you're humble, you're quick to ask for help. If you're humble, you're usually more patient. Right? If you're humble, you're usually able to admit your weaknesses not just your strengths, right? I mean, that's, the, that's what it looks like to be humble. And if you're humble, you put others first. You put others first. Philippians uh, 2, 3 says this. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in what? Humility. Value others above yourselves. Value others above yourselves. If you don't write anything else down, I want you to write this down. Okay, you ready? It, it, being humble is not that, you, that I or you or I think less of ourselves and put ourselves down. It's not that I think less of myself and I'll go, I hate myself. I'm just terrible. I can't do anything right. I'm just the worst person. You're so much better than I am. No, that's not, that's not humility. But that's not what God's talking about. It's not that I think less of myself. Here's, here's how God would define humility. He, he wants us, he wants it that I just think of myself less. You see the difference? It's not that I, you know, think less of myself and I, I'm, I'm hard on myself and I think I'm, a, you know, no good at any of this. No, it's just that I think of myself less and I think of others more. That's what it means, I believe, to be humble. Um, and so if it's all about, you know, putting others first, well, here's the question that I want to answer. How does that benefit me? 
<laughs> Again, I don't know if that's a prideful question and I just exposed my pride. But, but how, do, how does being humble and putting others first benefit me? Well, I'll give you a few examples and I'm done. You ready? Number one is this. Being humble puts us in a position to receive God's grace. Think about it. Being humble puts us in a position to receive God's grace. Look at James chapter 4 verse 6. It says this. God what? Let's say it together. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now here's the example. Just like that horse that has a soft eye, generally speaking, receives less opposition Less training, less spurring, less pulling on the reins, less discomfort to get him to be useful. I think the same thing's true for us. We receive no opposition from God and more grace when we're humble. Are you with me? You say, what are the benefits of being humble? Receiving less opposition or no opposition and actually receiving grace. Um, and, And so here's the thing. When I'm humble, God works for my benefit. He works for my benefit. But when I have pride and I'm proud, guess what? He works against me. I'll give you an example of this. Um, I was uh, west of here at the Thurman Ranch. Anybody know where the Thurman Ranch is? Great one. All right. I'm on a roll today with all of my examples. But anyways, uh, there's a guy named Jared Pockner, and he manages a ranch called the Thurman Ranch over about near Shattuck, okay? And I was over there a few springs ago, and we were working some calves. We gathered all these calves and cows, and we put them in this portable corral, right? Well, you, when you do that, you usually sort off the mamas, okay? So you sort the mamas off, and, and we opened up a, a part of the portable corral, and we were sorting these mamas off, and all the mamas were going through, and then all of a sudden, a calf got through right? A calf got out, got back into the pasture. Well, Jared looks at me and he goes, Hey, Bo, why don't you go catch that calf? And I was like, you're dang right. (laughs) And then he goes, and this is the question. He goes, Hey, Bo, do you need any help? And I go, no, sir. Can I just tell you to this day, I've still never caught that calf. I mean, I, I chased that sucker down as hard as I could. I mean, I could not catch that calf. You know why? Because I had pride. And the truth is, God opposes when we're proud. And I had to eat humble pie. When I came back with nothing, and I didn't want to come back, I almost rode off into the sunset and did not come back. With, but, but there was no calf. I didn't catch the calf. And my pride caused God to humble me. So here's the thing. Being humble puts us in a position to receive God's grace, not his opposition. I want you to hear that because some of you guys are like, no, it's my way. No, I got to do this. Or no, it's all about me. I can do this on my own. Really? Well, enjoy. I'm I'm learning that that doesn't always, it doesn't never, it it never works. Really, it never works. Um, So that's number one. Number two is this. Being humble leads to being exalted. This is the part that we like, right? Being humble actually leads to you being exalted. I want to give you an example of this. One of my favorite stories in the Bible in Luke chapter 18. Jesus is going to tell a story here and I want you to listen. It says this. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Now listen to this. 
Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, which a Pharisee is a religious person who is kind of a fake religious person. They're more worried about the outward appearance versus the inward appearance. One was a Pharisee and the other one was a tax collector. And you say, well, what was a tax collector? Well, they collected taxes. (laughs) But they collect taxes and they were hated pretty much. I mean, everybody kind of hated them because they were collecting the taxes. Now, so there's two people and they walk into the temple and listen to what, what happens. The Pharisee stood by himself and and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like those other people, those robbers, those evildoers, those adulterers, or even like this little tax collector. I mean, he says, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. I mean, are you hearing this, Lord? I mean, that's kind of the, the attitude that the Pharisee had. But listen to the tax collector. The tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Listen to what Jesus says. I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who what? Exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Do you get the picture? I mean, you had this Pharisee, he's religious, you know, jerk. And I mean, he's just kind of like, man, I'm so much better than all these other people. And he's standing there and he's like, God, I, you know, I fast twice a day. I give a tenth of my money. And thank God that I'm not like the robbers and the adulterers and even this little peon tax collector. Guess what God promises to that guy? That he's going to be humbled. (laughs) But then you have the tax collector who's, he can't even look up. He can't even look up to heaven and he's under, you know, he just kind of bows his head before God and says, God, I can't even imagine my life without you. I'm a sinner. I need your mercy. And so please forgive me. Please help me. And he was humble. And guess what God says that he's going to do for that guy? He's going to exalt him. Now, here's the thing. You say, well, what's that mean to me? Well, which one are you? Which one am I? I mean, the Bible talks about this a lot. And you say, well, what does it mean to be exalted? Well, I'll define this from Webster's Dictionary. It says this. When you're exalted, you're held in high regard. You're raised in a new rank. Here's the word that I would describe it as. You're honored. You're honored. You receive honor. And so when we're humble, guess what? We make God's honor roll. Right? How many of you guys are on the honor roll? Right? How many of you guys were never on the honor roll? Come on, my people, my people. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you were on the honor roll, guess what? You got recognized. I mean, you got a little plaque or a little certificate. If you were you know, on the honor roll, then usually you got what? You got a little more respect. I mean, most likely to succeed. All those great things. You get to wear those silly little tassels. I'm, that's a good thing. I'm not making fun of it. Actually, I am. But, uh, you know. Really, the truth is you were respected more, right? And people honored you and they thought well of you. Well, I obviously never made that honor roll. But here's the point. When you are humble before God, guess what? He's going to honor you. I don't know about you, but the greatest thing that I can think of is when I gain the respect of God. Here's what I'm learning. Again, I've not settled this in my own life. When I have pride in my life, guess what? God doesn't respect that. 
But when I'm humble before him and I say, man, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to preach. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to be a good husband. I don't know any of this stuff. And I need you. Guess what he says? He says, I'm going to honor you because you've humbled yourself. And you say, well, what does that look like? What is the blessing of being honored? Again, I think God honors this in monetary ways. When I honor God with my money and I say, God, I, I, all this money that I have is because of you and I humble myself and thank him for that. Guess what he does? He honors my money. He makes it go further. When I honor him with my home and I say, God, use my home, use my horses, use my trailer, use that basset hound. I mean, use whatever you can. When I say, God, I I can't do this on my own. I don't know how to use all this stuff, but I give it all to you and I humble myself and I say, you use this. Guess what he does? He honors it. He uses it. He blesses it. Here's the most important thing I believe that God honors us with. He honors us with more of himself. It's not about even the monetary things, really. It's about him. When we humble ourselves, guess what we get more of? We get more of his peace. Guess what we get more of? We get more of his strength. Guess what we get more of? We get more of his love, more of his provision, more of his blessing. And so listen, humility actually leads to us being exalted rather than humiliated. Are you with me? I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it makes sense to me. Here's the last thing that I want to touch on. Being humble leads to happiness. It leads to happiness. Now, if you look at a horse and a horse that is stubborn, a horse that has a flighty eye or is always scared at something, typically they get into a bind all the time. I mean, I've had horses like that, and guess what? They get cut more than the soft-eyed horse. Anybody? They run through the fence. I mean, they do stupid stuff, flip over. I mean, they're just kind of crazy. But when they're soft-eyed and they, generally speaking, have a willing spirit and they're a joy to be around and, you know, they want to get along and they're not nervous or worried or stressed, guess what? I believe that that horse is a much happier horse. Same applies to us. I believe that when we are humble before God, we're going to be much happier. It's interesting. When I looked up the word exalted, it gave me the definition. It didn't just say that it's to be held in high regard or honored. Guess what else it says? If you're exalted, it also means this, to experience a state of extreme happiness. That's the other definition of being exalted. And so you say, well, what's the point, Bo? Well, I believe the proof is when we obey and we're humble. Here, I'll give you an example. Because when we put others ahead of ourselves, listen, we tend to get along with other people better. And guess what? We tend to be happier. Can I just give somebody an advice? God just brought this to my mind. Some of you need to humble yourself before your husband or your wife. And you need to say, I'm wrong. I don't know who needs to hear that, but somebody does. Some of you kids, you need to humble yourself before your parents and you need to start obeying them. It's just the truth because here's why. The the Bible says that when we put others ahead of ourselves, we tend to get along better with people and we tend to be happier. It's the people that have pride like myself that tend to not get along sometimes, right? Anybody with me? I'll give you another example. When we're humble and we're willing to do whatever is asked of us at work, at home, the Lord, guess what? There tends to be less of a struggle and we're happier. Anybody with me? That's some preaching right there. 
That, when I say that's some good preaching right there, it's not to boast about myself, but that's some good stuff from the Lord. Amen? I'll give you another example. Because when I don't worry and I don't stress and I give it all over to the Lord and I say, I humbly submit to whatever you want me to do, guess what? I tend to be happier because I've trusted God more. Learn this with me. Pride leads to destruction, but humility leads to blessing. And one of those blessings is being happier. And so some of you need to learn this with me. We receive God's blessings. I believe that we're more happy because when we humble ourselves, he pours out his blessings. I I don't know about you, but this being humble thing sounds like a better idea. (laughs) It just sounds like a better idea. And so here's what I want you to get out of this. Humility is not a bad word. Humbleness, you're going to receive God's grace rather than his opposition. And he's going to bless you with a whole heck of a lot more. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. How many of you guys would, uh, nobody's looking around, but how many of you guys would, would admit that before you walked in here today, when you heard the word being humble or humility, you thought of something negative? Anybody raise your hand and say that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we kind of, that word's not very popular, like I said before. Hopefully today you get to walk out of here with a different, you know, definition of what it means to be humble. How many of you guys would say, you know, Bo, I, I understand maybe what it means to be humble now. And I want to walk in more humility. Would anybody raise your hand and say that? Man, I, that's, that's what I want to be. Thank you. Thank you all across the room. Let me give you some of those pointers again. You know what that looks like? That means you're thankful. You say, I want to be humble. Well, be more thankful. You say, what else? You know, I want to be humble. Well, give people the credit. Maybe you need to admit your weakness. Admit that you're wrong. Maybe you need to admit that you don't have all the answers and you need help. The truth is this. God says, if you are humble, I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to exalt you. And in, in, in your life, you will be a lot happier. Not, not exempt from trials, not exempt from pain, but you're going to be a lot happier. Because you're pleasing in my eyes. I don't know about you, but I think it's time to practice some humility. In my life. And I'm going to ask you to join me. In asking God to help us be humble. So we can experience all the things that he has for us. Some of you are here today. And and you need to humble yourself. And ask Jesus to come into your life. You've tried to do this life on your own. You've tried to, you know, to, to, to make this life work, to make a marriage work. You've tried to raise kids on your own. You've tried to do all those things on your own. And, and, and you've noticed that you're not very successful on your own. Here's the truth. It's time to humble yourself and ask Jesus for his help. You say, how do I do that? Well, again, Jesus died on a cross for your sins. He died, but he also rose from the dead so that you can be forgiven and so that you can have a personal relationship with him. And you say, well, how do I begin that relationship with him? 
Well, it's, it's the same thing. You humble yourself and you ask. Maybe you just pray this simple prayer in your heart. Not out loud, but just in your heart. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Jesus, I know I'm prideful. Jesus, I know I've, I've sinned against you. But I also know that you want to forgive me. And you want to have a relationship with me. And so I'm humbling myself before you and I ask you to, to save me from my sin. To give me eternal life. I confess you as my Lord. I confess you as my Savior. Listen, maybe somebody, you know, just prayed that prayer for the very first time. We want you to know that you've made the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And that's where humility really starts. It's humbling yourself before God and saying, I need you. Cannot, I cannot do this on my own. And so maybe you just made that decision to follow Christ for the very first time. Well, we want to equip you to, to grow in that relationship to walk in, in, in your relationship with him. And so maybe at the end of the service, Heather's going to step up here. She's going to share with you how you can connect with us so that we can, we can help you grow in your relationship with Christ. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And then, we are, and then Heather's going to come and she's going to make some closing comments. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to share the truth about being humble. The truth about being, you know, uh, just a person that, that puts others ahead of ourselves. The truth about your grace rather than your opposition being the blessing of being humble. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. Thank you for showing me that. And thank you for teaching that to us today. And may we be people that are humble for your glory. Lord, I thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you guys again for listening today. If you've made a commitment today or if you have any needs, feel free to contact us at info at thousandhillsranch.church or you can text or call 580-216-6427. And may God bless the ride you're on.